Well, today, I want to just thank you, BCC, for all that you give, all that you pour out, but I want to ask the Holy Spirit now to pour in, in you and through you. That's the kind of message that I want us to hear today as we think about the day of Pentecost. I got this text in a dream. Of course, it was in the Bible all along, but I was wondering about what I should pray, about, what I should preach about this week. And uh, as I was asleep, the words 1426 uh, came across my mind. As I pondered on it, it became clear it was John 1426. So I'm going to read that to you, and it says this. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Of course, Jesus is speaking in the upper room as he says this. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said. I'm going to take you to three rooms today. I'm going to take you to the courtroom, the classroom, and the prayer room. And I'm going to show you that the Holy Spirit is with you to guide you in this life, as Tosin said. You know, I don't know about you, but have you ever seen a movie where uh, there's a guy standing over somebody and they look really small when they're sitting down, but then when they stand up, they tower over them and you think, oh, I've got myself into something here and you need some backup. And I don't know about you, where have you ever got yourself into a situation where you think, oh, this is too too much for me, and, and this virus situation we're in, this e economic situation, it might seem like it's a giant that's standing above us, but we have the Holy Spirit to lead us through, to guide us through. I don't know I, about you, but sometimes we get support in the world that isn't genuine, like the football manager getting the vote of confidence from the chairman. That's the last vote of confidence you need. Uh, you know, that once you get the chairman's vote of confidence, you know that your job is about over. But some of us, we, we don't feel really supported. We feel like, we, we always feel like that people aren't quite with us, but the Holy Spirit wants to teach you today that he is right with you. You know, during this time, I have been refashioning my office at home because I'm spending lots of time there. And I bought myself a new office chair from a company in the Netherlands. And uh, uh, they actually, I've got the envelope in my bag actually, and I've got a genuine note from this uh, company in the Netherlands uh, that sent me this office chair. And they said this, I thought you might find it interesting to see exactly how your order's shipping was processed. Your product was carefully retrieved from our inventory with sterilized antibacterial gloves and placed on a satin silk cotton uh, cloth. A team of 50 experts then proceeded to inspect your product and they polished it until it shone and they bid it farewell with a tender caress. I, no joke, this is what they wrote to me. 
And our internationally renowned packing specialist who came straight from Korea to oversee your order in person lit candles and incense and sticks uh, and gave a great, and and a great silence settled over the crowd as they delicately placed my product in the box. The party was organized to celebrate your order. It lasted three days, and when the time came, the, t- the crowd gathered to send it forth. The cloud clamoring and cheering rang out through the city as a procession made its way to accompany your office chair all the way to the post office. No joke, I have the letter here. They wrote it to me. The postal service then took over using one of their many private jets to send your product as fast as possible, giving its inestimable value of your product Two fighter jets were specially dispatched to ensure its safe arrival. Thank you for purchasing your product at Klim. Uh, We placed a photo of you, a 50 foot by 50 foot frame erected you as the client of the century. Unfortunately, that position may be rivaled in the year uh, 2100. We hope you enjoyed this small letter In any case, don't forget, if you encounter any problem, big or small, we are here at your disposal at any uh, time. It was great to get such support from such an, uh, just buying an office chair. There are times in our lives when we all need a little bit of over-the-top encouragement support that says, I am with you. And that's what we're being offered today from the Holy Spirit. That's what we're being offered right now. Jesus is saying, I'm going away, but the Holy Spirit is coming to give you divine enablement in your life. And it's much more than an over-the-top letter of customer service, a bit of tongue-in-cheek. It's a reality of this enabling spirit that says, you are not alone, I am going to navigate life for you, and I am going to fill you and pursue you and be with you. You see, Christmas was God with us. Easter showed us God for us. Today, Pentecost shows God in us and through us. And so don't let's underestimate today, don't let's underestimate the fact that we have the Holy Spirit now with us and that changes absolutely everything. You see, if you're watching today and and you're not kind of sure about Christianity, this is the difference. This is the inestimable difference between any other faith and Christianity. The fact that God says, I dwell in in you and work through you. It's not a set of rules or some life principles. It's a partnership between you and God himself. You're going to have your troubles. You're going to have your struggles. But the Holy Spirit is going to help you to navigate through every single one of them. What form does that take? I want to just share for a few moments from this verse. I'm going to break it down into the three aspects of the Holy Spirit enabling with you. This is the difference, folks. He's the advocate, he's the teacher, and he's the one who reminds you, or the reminder, if that's even a word. Let's go to the courtroom. 
Let's, let's place you in the courtroom, and boy, do we need justice in our world today. First of all, the Holy Spirit is the advocate or the defender. It's a better translation to say advocate and defender than the word comforter. Some of you uh, may have used that a lot, or counselor, but advocate and defender is really what uh, the, the Holy Spirit coming means. It means that he makes every argument, whether emotional, intellectual, spiritual, or physical, he makes every argument for you and, uh, and stands against every argument that's against you so that you can navigate through life and so that everything that comes against your relationship with Jesus, everything that tries to hinder your progress as a Christian, the Holy Spirit wants to show you the way forward. He answers those emotional questions like he's going to answer the question, will I make it? Will I actually make it to heaven? Some of you are, you know, you're, you're teenagers or you're in your 20s and 30s and you think, wow, when I'm 70, will I still be a Christian? The Holy Spirit can guide you to still be in his presence no matter what you go through. You, is, the Holy Spirit is going to answer those deep psychological questions where you keep saying, am I good enough? He's going to put that, that argument in the dock and destroy it in your life because he's going to show you of how Jesus makes you good enough. You know, he's going to destroy those questions that come against us where we say, will, will I be all what I'm supposed to be? That's the answer. That's the, sorry, the question of many young people. They're, they're kind of making it. They're doing it as best they can, and they wonder whether or not they will reach their full potential. In fact, some people are sick and tired of potential. They want now to begin to fulfill everything that God is putting in them. Well, that's the Holy Spirit's job. He's going to help you to reach everything you're supposed to be in Jesus. I want you to notice something, that the Holy Spirit has full authority to do things in this world and in you. You see, in the book of John in chapter 14, it teaches about what the Holy Spirit's going to do in you. In John 16, it's kind of a mirror that he teaches what the Holy Spirit's going to do in the world. And the Holy Spirit has full authority to do everything in you that he's supposed to do because he's been sent by the Father in the name of Jesus, and he is the Holy Spirit. So there's nothing that can be lacking in what he can do in your life. Now, he's the advocate for you in two ways. He defends in two, two ways. The first thing he does is he defends Jesus to you. He defends Jesus to the world. He's the advocate for Jesus. When you think that Jesus isn't enough, or when you're not sure about the work of Jesus in your life, the Holy Spirit will reveal something new to you about Jesus, or something old that you'd forgotten, and he will say, remember it's enough what Jesus has done. He's always placing Jesus before the world and before you and defending him and, and making sure that his work is understandable. It's not that Jesus needs defending in a weak way, but Jesus, he's the advocate for Jesus, always making the argument that, listen, why don't you trust in Jesus? Why are you doing things your way instead of the Jesus way? That, that thought in your mind, that's the Holy Spirit. That's his job. He's the advocate. He puts Jesus in the courtroom and says, look at this great evidence that you've got. The God who loves you and would die on a cross for you 
He will, if he do that for you, why don't you trust him now? That's the Holy Spirit prompting you. The second way that he's the advocate is that he defends you. He defends every scheme that comes against you. You see, he's the Holy Spirit, so he's always going to do right by you because he's holy, but he's also a friend. And so he's going to do everything in a loving way to you. He's, he defends you from yourself, from those self-doubts that come that says, how do I compare? You know, compare is the worst thing you can do. You've seen that insurance fellow with the twiddly mustache, you know, and he's going, go compare, go compare, don't go compare. I'm not talking about insurance right now. I'm talking about you in your psychological state. Of course, you can learn encouragement from people. You can learn lessons from people. But your value is the same all over the world. Your value is the same. Don't compare. And the Holy Spirit is going to give you the strength to be able to defend yourself against you. Sometimes, when you're thinking about your past. See, the first room that the Holy Spirit wants to place you is in the courtroom. And he wants to defend and be the defender of Jesus and you against any scheme that comes against you. That's what the Holy Spirit will do. But the second room that the Holy Spirit wants to take you to is the classroom or the learning space. He wants to be your teacher so that you know everything that you're supposed to know. At the time, you're supposed to know it. That God teaches you things at the right time in layers. You know, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 says that uh, he has given us his very great and precious promises. And through them, you may even participate in the divine nature. Actually, what, what the Holy Spirit's doing is he's interweaving himself with you so that you can know the things of God. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't know a thing about being a Christian. And, the, and it doesn't matter whether you haven't had that heritage. The Holy Spirit, using people, sure, but will teach you the right things that you're supposed to know at the right time. He does it in layers. First, he shows you who Jesus is. Maybe he never stops doing that. Then he shows you what Jesus has done. Then he shows you the promises that you've got. Then he shows you your kingdom purpose. And you keep going round in those different layers. But the Holy Spirit is your teacher. You know, in uh, 1578, there was a, a shroud found. And, and it's been come to known as the Turin Shroud. And just shout out to all our Italian friends who, who are watching in, in Turin. In, in uh, St. John's Cathedral there, there's this kind of 14... Uh, feet cloth by six, I think it's three by six or something, and, it, and it's a faint indication that there might have been somebody who was crucified with a crown of thorns. Well, the Holy Spirit's not like that. He's not giving you a faint indication or a possibility. What he's doing is teaching you definitely how to follow Jesus at the right time. He will teach you what you need to know when you need to know it. So stop fretting. Stop thinking that you're missing something. 
If he wanted you to know something, he would point it out. The scripture would jump out at you. You'd hear a message. A friend would call you. He's got the curriculum in his hands. And so don't worry about, well, I wonder if I should be knowing something else. Listen, peace. Be still. And let the Lord teach you at the pace that he wants to teach you. You see, because as well as taking you to the courtroom and the classroom, the Holy Spirit's going to take you to the prayer room. Very often, the Holy Spirit will remind you and bring key truths back. Jesus said, I'm sending you an advocate. He's an advocate who will teach you and he will remind you of everything that I have taught you. And the Holy Spirit brings back lessons and things that you already know, but you need to know them again at this time. That's one of his key things. I love that song, Do It Again, Lord. You know, uh, that we've seen God move the mountains and do it again, Lord, because we've already seen some things. I don't know about you, but I've, I've got a Facebook account and, and uh, there's sometimes it pops up these random memories, doesn't it? You know, that, that sometimes you think, oh, I, I'd almost forgotten that. And it's kind of nice looking at those. And sometimes I share them and uh, most times I go, oh, forget that. But the Holy Spirit doesn't bring up random mer- memories. He reminds you of things you need to know at that moment. Even if you do know it, but you just let it slip your mind. He brings the things back, those precious things back that help you at that moment. On March the 15th this year, it was my birthday, so take note. Why don't you write that in your diaries all over the world? You know, March the 15th was my birthday this year. And um, it was actually a weird birthday this year because one of my very closest friends, David, had a a heart attack that a few days later proved to be fatal. It was so strange and such a strange day. But I've got a picture of him and me and another friend, and we're kind of laughing on a sofa at a conference. And sometimes I get that picture out, and it just reminds me of that precious friendship that I have. It's not that I've forgotten it, but it just crystallizes it for me sometimes to say that was a good thing in my life. The Holy Spirit is going to bring a lesson to you that you already know, but you need to hear it again. In fact, in my spirit now, I can tell that some of us need to bring some old treasures out of our storehouse. The Holy Spirit's been prompting you for a while to go back to some things that you've neglected, and the Holy Spirit wants to remind you of what you already know. It's a fantastic thing. You know, when Jesus said that to the disciples, uh, you know, he, he promised that whatever they'd learned from him, and remember, they didn't write as much and have uh, saving devices like we had, but the Holy Spirit protected the story of Jesus by reminding the disciples of everything that they should bring and write down for us. He'll do that the same in your life. So how does this threefold ministry, the advocate, the teacher, and the reminder, how does that work? How can we sharpen that? We've got to work out what God's working in us. You know, the first thing that I've learned of how to sharpen the ministry of the Holy Spirit in my life is I don't live so close to the edge. We love to call ourselves cutting edge. 
But you know, I mean, Kathy, we've been watching that program race across the world, and, and there are some uh, roads on the edges of cliffs that we don't want to drive on. I mean, bless you if you come from Patagonia, but I don't want to ride on the edge of a mountain where the bus is going and the road's crumbling, crumbling away and you can see down there. I'm thinking to myself, no, can we go another route? And actually, that's the same that's true in life. That actually living close to the edge of danger isn't where God wants you. If you've got one of those cars that has sensors in it, the goal is not to get them to beep all the time because you're going too close to another vehicle or another or danger. Is The goal is to keep those sensors so they're silent. But actually what the Holy Spirit does is he kind of beep, beep, beeps when you're getting too close to the edge of something and you begin to become uneasy. And maybe right now you've got something in your life that you're feeling uneasy about it. That's the Holy Spirit saying, come back from that edge. Come back from that. Natural nervousness is fine about new opportunities. That's fine. But it's when it becomes a heavy, hard thing in your life and you think something's not right. That's the Holy Spirit. First way to sharpen the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, don't live close to the edge of sin or poor relationships, or toxic thinking. Don't go there. Come back away from that edge. The second way that you can uh, sharpen the work of the Holy Spirit in your life is that you need to understand that in the Scriptures, in the Bible, uh, that love and obedience are always intertwined. You know, you can't say that you love somebody and then you don't really do some of the things they want you to do. Everybody, if you've got a Bible, just turn with me to John chapter 14, and we'll read from verse 15 and just a few verses there. This is uh, the words of Jesus. You see, love and obedience, they're like a rope, an intertwined rope where you climb up the mountain of discipleship, love and obedience. Listen to what Jesus said. He said this, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. Isn't that great? The Holy Spirit's just with us forever. The Spirit of truth. The world can't accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he lives in you, and he will be in you. Lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. Isn't that a great promise? These are the words of Jesus. Because I live, you're going to live. Because I've got power, you're going to have power. Because I can forgive everybody, you can forgive everybody. You know, Jesus is just great. And then he goes on, verse 20, On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. See, he wants a close relationship with you. How, whoever has my, has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and will show myself to them. 
Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to my Father who sent me. Love and obedience are intertwined so much they become a rope by which you climb the mountain of discipleship. Love and obedience are the things whereby when we allow God's love to fill us so much, we begin then to obey him from the heart. And as our obedience becomes an expression of our love, then as we obey him, we begin to experience more of his love so that, it, so that God comes closer to us. You see what Jesus said there? He said, if you obey my commands, I'm going to pour out more more love on you, but as I pour out more love on you, you're going to be able to obey my commands. There was an old preacher in the 1800s who was named C.H. Spurgeon, and he said, obedience must have love as its mother and its nurse and its food. The, the essence of obedience lies in the love which prompted it. We obey because we love. We show we love when we obey. It's intertwined. Let's realize that for God, love is much more than an intention or a word. For God, it's when the Holy Spirit surrounds us and fills us so that we can then love God even more and obey even closer. I'm going to wrap up in just a moment, but I just want to point you to a really important verse. In fact, one theologian said this is the most important verse in the New Testament, and I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. It's in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. You see, what you've got to do if you're going to make the Holy Spirit sharper in your life is you've got to work out what God is working in you. This is what it says. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Hey, listen, we are apart. We're scattered. Nobody's checking up on you. Nobody's checking in with you like at church when you can have those conversations. But it's really important now that you obey from your heart. It's really important that you stand up and say you're a real Christian. Paul goes on and says, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Then verse 13, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. It's God who gives you the power to obey. It's the Holy Spirit that gives you even the desire to obey. Did you know that in the New Testament there are 1,642 commands? And when we see a command, we see an opportunity not to rely on ourselves, but to receive more power from the Holy Spirit to follow God. That's why John said his commands are not burdensome. Why don't we come back together and uh, worship him in a few moments? Because God enables you to obey. So, supernatural commands mean that you have to have 
100% supernatural power to follow them. So number one, don't live close to the edge. Stop flirting with the things that are not good for you. Stop that and the Holy Spirit will be sharper. Number two, what you need to do is understand that love and obedience are intertwined. But number three, understand that as you work hard for God, He works hard in you to get what's in you out. And so I just want to say to you this morning, what is it? What is it that's the teaching and the obedience point that you need to obey? What is that place that you need to say to God, I just want to yield to that. You see, he's the defender in the courtroom. He's the teacher in the classroom, but he's the reminder in the prayer room. What do you need? How could you best this week defend someone? How could you be like the Holy Spirit? How could you send somebody a great teaching? How could you remind somebody of some great thing that God's doing? You know, our, our worship team have come together and they've done a fantastic video, and we're going to show you that in a moment. It's Christ be magnified. And that's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to big up Jesus in your life so that you can follow him and you know him so that you can be close to him. Kevin, what was your heart for making that video? Well, it's kind of what you said, Mark. When we, when we love, we obey. And when we obey, we show that we love. And yeah. we have a call on our lives to live our lives in such a way that it points people to Jesus, that Christ is magnified. And I think it's important in this season that we realize as much as our circumstances have changed, that call hasn't. So it's a prayer of surrender, Christ be magnified in our lives now and going forward. So why don't we just all begin just to worship right now and to begin to yield to the Holy Spirit and begin to say to the Holy Spirit, I yield to you, fill me, defend me, teach me, and remind me. Let me know. Bring me back from that edge. Set off a sensor in my life. Lord, bring me to that place where you fill me with love and I'm obeying you from my heart so that I can experience you more. And God, work out of me what you're placing in me so that I can follow your commands. Why don't we magnify Christ in our worship right now?